Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. And tonight we get to find out what happens when we put chops on the spot. Oh boy. Giggity goo. Did you did you introduce yourself, Paul? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Host, I was too excited host, about you being put fail. on the spot. <laughs> go, go ahead and get that out of the way. I'm Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know how to po- host a podcast <laughs> I, i'm i'm kevin clearly aware that we are semi-professional podcasters uh I, i'm i'm potter and uh i i'm still still not sure ever what to say at this point in time in the in the show <laughs> we'll get you there one day maybe you know it's like we've been doing this for a year or something i should have figured it out by now <laughs> Sorry, that is, that it's part fair. of your shtick now. It's like the Dice Tower guys, they like drop components and videos, and it, Chris just never has an intro. That's, yep, that's, that's, your, that's that, your bag. That's my, that's, my, that's my thing. Pretty soon it's just going to be like, Chris, and I've got nothing to say. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, an alternate catchphrase to what rules? It's going to be, it's <laughs> going to be, and this is Chris. This is Chris. I don't know what to say, and I don't read rules. Anyway. <laughs> We're we are three men and a terrible start here. Uh, <laughs> but leading off discussion, Paul, what have you uh, what have you gotten done for hobby progress this week? Um, to be honest with you, not a whole lot. It was a it was a pretty busy week. Um, and I mean, I got some work done. Again, still working on my damn Rebel Troopers. Um, got them finished paint finished all the the base coats and got all that where i wanted to be and gave him a good old wash um and working on the uh highlight slash dry brush layer and then uh, i'm gonna call them done and putting a a decent base on them nice you know on the basing not the base coat no i got you yeah i know what you meant by a nice a nice base yeah i got i got all the materials for it i just need to get it to where i can oh so, so you don't have you don't have any uh, legion models fully painted yet this is your first squad well yeah it's actually all three of my rebel troop squads and that's kind of what's been taking me a while is that i've decided to do oh, all three of them at so once you oh your badge models at once <laughs> yeah bad idea you you sir are a masochist yeah that's crazy i'd go nuts yep. seven at a time is enough well that's that's how it started and uh then i was like ah, i could just do them all at once Oh, see, I feel like, well, it doesn't matter what I think. You already did it. So, man, kudos. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I will, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. From now on, it will all be one unit at a time. <laughs> I learned my lesson. What I learned on the other side through the first fire team of Royal Rifle Corps were techniques that helped me push through the second and third. And by the third set, I was much faster and much more efficient at getting the result that I wanted. Um, and I don't think I would have gotten to that point had I done all, uh, oh geez, 27 of them at once. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds as bad as what I'm going through right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's about the same, right? Like I I think you, even with the rebel troopers have less repeat sculpts than I did with with the Royal rifle Corps. but either way, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's been um, fun. So for me, for Hobby Progress, I'm also painting Star Wars Legion Rebel Troopers. So so does that mean that our last few discussions have, have made you more interested in Legion? I mean, it's a combination of that and just um, sort of me, like the, the it's like the conversations we've had have like reinvigorated my love of Star Wars a little bit. We went through a little bit of a lull there and I... Uh, hadn't been watching as many movies as frequently or just been thinking about it or had it in my consciousness as, as much. And as soon as I let it back in a little bit, it came flooding back in. So yeah, I'm, I think I'm just enjoying the process of painting them and like watching my forest troopers come to life. Um, and of course I have intentions of playing it um, or I wouldn't be spending the time, but I've really liked the time I've spent painting them so far and I'm pretty happy with how they're coming along. Well, that's awesome. That's that's always good, good to hear. And and yeah, like like with you, even though I'm bogged down in, you know, slowly being digested by these models over a thousand years, um, I 
I'm happy with how the process is going. Yeah, and I, I I wanted to challenge myself too um, with these these rebel troopers, and the the challenge was that my core palette of paints, so like not washes or or basing material, but my core palette of f- straight paints was I was limiting myself to six, um, and I, w- I wanted to see if I could get it done and and get them to a good standard with only using six paints, uh, and I think I've done a pretty good job so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about it. How about you, Chris? What have you been up to? Um, I've had a pretty busy week, so like Paul, I haven't had much time to do any hobbying. Um, I'm still doing the adventures and getting this librarian converted. Uh, went to GW, hoping to find the part that I needed, and unfortunately, the model is direct sales only. So I had to put a order in for that. So now I'm waiting. Week. Yeah, so I was a little peeved about that, but I mean, so far I'm I'm liking it. I need to get some some files to help sand down some of the screen stuff that didn't smooth out the way I wanted it to. Um, but I mean, it's just getting back into relearning how to use green stuff has been kind of fun. So I've been enjoying that. But in that, right not on. not not much. Cool. So did you guys play any games this last week? I did. I got a game of Legion in myself. With I played a different opponent um, with the rule of two list. Um, changed some things up. Put a sniper squad into it instead. Of uh, I dropped a. What did I drop? Well, how'd the game go? Did you did you win it? <laughs> uh, this was uh, probably the worst gaming experience I've had against somebody in a long time uh we Uh played yeah so we played 800 points um he it was empire versus empire he played palpatine um he had two sniper units and a a bare bones royal guard unit um he had uh what else did then he had everything else was pretty much stormtrooper units Three of the tr- uh, trooper units had um, medical droids in it. One of them had an officer in it, and everything else was empty. And that was his, basically his list. He camped and turtled on a hill, and he had the upgrade on Palpatine that gave everybody Guardian within uh, one measurement of one or two measurements of him. So Royal Guard went up to Guardian three. Everything else went to Guardian 1, and he had hard cover the entire time because he was on a hill. But did you win? I did win because basically I just measured out four uh, four units for his uh, DLT-19, so he couldn't shoot me. And I just stood there, and I had camped a uh, – I, I parked Vader in one Stormtrooper unit behind a building where he couldn't see it, which threatened one of his uh, zones. And then uh, I had one of uh, one of the objectives in my area, and then there was the no, the the objective in the middle that was the no man's land. Uh, by the end of the game, I threw Palpatine on the 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 objective in the middle with hard cover and immune to pierce. He couldn't do anything to me, and Palpatine took the middle objective, so I won two to one. Uh, nice. So um, that's. That's all you had to do, right? If he was going to yeah. be that kind of player, I mean, you j- all you had to do was like, sort of like play play to his game and then beat him at the end. Yep. So, I mean, so him. I I don't I don't think we rolled dice until turn three. Man, that sucks. I I feel yeah. bad for you that you had to go through that, but you know, you know, a W is a W, and uh, you learned a little bit about terrain placement. <laughs> And playing yeah. into a, a Palpatine player. It sucks though, man. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, yeah, so, I mean, my Palpatine won me the day. Uh, I will still say my complaint about Vader uh, stands. He's just too slow to be competitive in the way that the game is right now. Just my yeah, personal we'll, opinion. We'll see how, we'll see how that shakes out after the tanks release. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping it'll change it too. up. Yeah, I mean, the tank is slow too, but because of the fact it's a bigger model, and I'm not sure how they're going to be working the deployment rules on that because I haven't seen them yet. Sure. So 
you know, I don't know if it's going to work like 40k, where if you disembark, that's pretty much it. Your turn is done or what. So, I mean, hopefully it'll be a little bit of a help to get Vader up the field. I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Did you get any games in? I did. I, I only got to play one game. I ended up playing a game of Eden with Jim, a friend of the show, Jim. Uh, and again, it was an absolute blast. I'm not sure if I talked about the first time I played a game of Eden, but, um, I have very strong opinions about the game. Well, we will will discuss those. Yeah. I don't want to give anything away because that might be, uh, worth. Well, you played twice. So that's, that's something. Yep. Um, and we'll, uh, We'll wrap this section up by saying I don't think I talked about my game of the other side. I think I was anticipating playing last time we recorded. Yes. Um, and I, I did get to play a, uh, a single commander game uh, against one of my friends in the local Malifo meta. Um, we had a really good time. Um, reminded me how excellent the other side is and that it's one of the best rule systems I think I've ever encountered. It's, uh, it's just an incredible game. Um, I wish that I had the time uh, and the ambition to get the scene off the ground. It's just, it's such a hard, because of the size of the game and the painting commitment and just all of the things that are going on right now with like having a small child, it's very hard for me to do, but God damn, anytime I get an opportunity to play that game, I'm gonna, cause it is so good. That's a pretty ringing endorsement. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's listening is on the fence about the other side, just buy a commander box. It's like 75 bucks, uh, generally in online stores and discount retailers or whatever, hundred bucks at a FLGS if they carry it. Um, and it, the commander box, that's what we played. We played a commander box game and it was one of the most fun miniatures gaming experiences I've had in a long time. So uh, we, we played my King's empire into my gibbering hordes uh, and it was, it was excellent. It was so fun. What was your, what was your favorite thing about the game that you played? Uh, I think, well, uh, part of it is that the person I played against is one of my very favorite people to play miniatures games with. So that helped. Um, But also that the game itself, it doesn't have uh, a ton of rules, right? Like the other side on its own is a fairly simple and intuitive system, but it's incredible. Like Eden, it's a thin rule set with incredible depth. Um, and the depth comes through the, the very tricky decision-making you have to make over the limited resources that you have control over. Um, and the, I, and I think of, of tactics tokens the same way actually as SP in Eden, they're very similar resources. Um, and it, it's just very, it's a very good game. Um, or I should say that the game that we played, uh, my, my favorite moments were the moments like big character moments, like. There was a, a time when uh, when my opponent uh, essentially I had put some guys too far out of position and I didn't realize based on what he had on the board that he was going to be able to pull the storm. He was going to use the storm siren to be able to pull my models out. It was so far out of position because he I, I f- figured, you know, he would use his free move to Siren's Call, but he ended up using both of them to Siren's Call to move me like straight into base contact with her. And then I had a unit of Karkanoi converge, like, essentially converge and then use a tactics token to instantly reinforce uh, because it was down to one fire team and I wasn't very threatened by it. Uh, and then he ran it up to me and instantly reinforced it and uh, destroyed my infiltrators. Uh, and it was just so cool. Like watching this, you know, that thing unfold. It was awesome. Awesome. Well, it's, it's always a good thing when you can watch somebody else play against you. And as they do stuff that destroys your life, you think that's pretty fucking cool. It was cool, though. I mean, it was a very well-played, well-executed strategy, and it worked really well. Uh, especially since most of the game, I was just harassing him with a gun line. <laughs> it was it was cool to, to watch him pull some of my stuff out of position and just eat it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, like, the start, as a King's Empire player, like, the few games that Paul and I played, the... the I think it's the Karkanoids. Is that the little small guys that are really super fast? No, the Striped Skulkers. Yeah, yeah, her, 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 
yeah, her ability to pull and those guys that are like the, the stripe skulkers as a gunline army, those made me they, those go to be the biggest nightmares of like, oh my god, how am I going to deal with these? Yeah, we can talk offline about how to play against Jibbering Hordes. I've learned how to do it. Uh, it's just, it takes very careful, careful positioning. You have to be explicitly aware of what the Storm Siren can do at any given time. Uh, and as long as you respect that and you respect your threat ranges, uh, even firing into Stripe Skulkers when they're against cover is worth doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, though I'm not sure that I'll be able to get to play anytime soon since Paul's pretty much the only one that plays in the area. And I don't know when I can get him off of Wawa's Exodus. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with the other side too. Is because my guys are getting back into Malifaux since the beta is wrapping up, yep. uh, and I've basically sold the group on Eden. Like everyone in the group likes Eden, so uh, I think that's and it's that's admittedly even if I was going to try and run demos, it's much easier for me. To, I can like I can carry everything I need to run demos of Eden except for the board in my backpack. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's just a much easier game to take oh, around 100 yeah. percent. No, i get that 100 percent. and don't get me wrong like i love playing wild west exodus especially now that i have a watcher's army to play so i'm excited to play on wednesday it's been a while cool all right yeah because you guys are getting back into it well and we'll probably we'll do a big wild west exodus episode next week yeah um, since you guys are all gonna it sounds like you're gonna have a big group out there playing yeah i mean look, uh, thanks to to um game theory here in raleigh they've uh they've really gone out of their way to help you know us form you know a more solidified gaming night for wild west exodus um you know they're they're doing what they need to do to get get some product in there for it so i mean we're we're really helping to grow this a lot and i want to help make sure that we're you know we're doing our part to to make that area grow yeah i i promised you guys i'll read the 1.08 rules before next week so i can talk competently about it um um but i'm really excited you guys are going to get to play you mean there's rules that you have to read for these games oh my god <laughs> you mean paul just doesn't tell you how to play that's right i every game we uh, play chris i've completely made up the rules on the spot i'm actually a genius game producer you know what i you know after hearing some things uh with the way you've ta taught other players to play i would not doubt that you've been making shit up the genius <laughs> gaming though no no that that's not there sorry bud <laughs> all right so let's let's get into the uh the topic of the hour which is going to be a revisit of eden since uh since paul's gotten a chance to play i'm sorry chris that you haven't had a chance to play it yet so you'll have to sit through more discussion of a game you have uh, i'm good I'm, I'm i'm building models I'm, i want to get this game in i want to play it's just it's the the cards have not uh, aligned with me um i was looking to actually pick up my uh my crew for it and then my son decided to break my couch so i had to buy a new couch sure sure well yeah. i mean maybe if there's a deal at adepticon i can pick something up and ship it over we'll see um yeah be, i want you sweet. playing it i want you playing it that bad um all right so let's get into it paul you said you had some strong opinions about in about eden what are those strong opinions all right so Right off the bat, it is quite possibly one of the most thematic games out there. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree. It absolutely is. And and it looks that way, like when you're looking at the minis and when you're looking at, at, at all the different stuff for it. But when you start playing it, you really start to see those themes come through so strongly. Yeah, and it, it's done in a really clever way, right? The game presents itself as this sort of post-apocalyptic world. And that, you know, when you think about theme abstraction in a lot of games, like the theme, like Malifaux's theme, for example, it doesn't really come through, right? It, the theme comes through in the way the models look, I think, and the way they act. But it doesn't come through in the gameplay itself, right? The theme for Malifaux comes through, like, with how the models and the factions interplay, uh, and, and that happens in Eden too, but with Eden, the, the game seems designed from the ground up to have that post-apocalyptic theming uh, in, the, in its nature, like right down to the way that objectives are played and terrain is placed. Um, okay. Everything, everything in the game is is around the theme as the central part of the skirmish that you're going to have. So, so as someone that has not played yet, you're going to need to explain that to me. Like, how how is it that the objectives are going into that post-apocalyptic theme as well too. 
So, and, I'm, and I'm assuming you're talking about how you score the objectives, not the objectives themselves. Can, can I take this one, Chris? Um, or Chops? It's both, actually. What? Can, I, I was going to say, can I take this one? Just as a, as a yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so Chris, here's, here's what I want you, you, you kind of got to think about this. And, and the first, the first discussion we had on Eden chops brought this up by giving us an example of, um, uh, I don't even remember what faction it was, but talking about them coming through and getting attacked by the tiger and the visualization of it. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it is that strong. So the first game, Okay, let me go to let me go to the game that I played the other night. In the game, I'm playing the matriarchy, right? So they're kind of your right. your crazy religious zealots, um, and so all of the objectives are basically asymmetrical. You cannot pick an objective that somebody else has picked. So if you pick a neutral one, you can't choose the same one as your opponent. And then there's also objectives that are specific to each faction. So to keep things simple, okay. we've been we, Jim and I have been playing faction specific objectives, and the one that I chose this this past week was um, uh, oh I can't think of what it's called uh, ritual idols or something like that. And so what I did was I, I I got to make up I got four tokens, each one was an idol token, and then one that was a decoy. So this way there was basically one per model that I had on the table. And my models got to carry these around. And my goal, the way I scored points, was getting these idols into my opponent's deployment zone. So essentially what they're doing, if you can visualize this, it was the matriarchy taking these important religious idols and transferring them to someplace new. Okay, so these are important important objects to them. Because they're mm-hmm. and they're missionaries too, right? Like they're trying to spread their gospel, right? So the, and that and that's what they're doing. They're taking these to to show them off or to take them to a different church or or or, or whatever. With Jim's objective, he was able to put uh, what were called warehouses out on the table. Two of them, one on each side of the board, and his faction is Dante's angels, right? So they're a biker gang, a post-apocalyptic biker gang. So you can visualize like all any movie that you've watched that has something like hell's angels or, or some type of biker gang. And you imagine how a biker gang acts in that. And then you take it to post-apocalyptic. And basically Jim's goal was to go to these warehouses and set them on fire. Oh, nice. So he had to basically roll up to them, light a fire on them, and he could have up to six fire tokens on each one, and he would score points for each one of the fire tokens that he had. And what's even more interesting on it, or or I guess even fascinating on it, is that once you have two tokens on there, during the end phase of each turn, you add another so the fire is strong enough to be spreading. So the visualization Mm. of of the matriarchy getting ready to move these relics to someplace new and having a biker gang show up to destroy their warehouses and set them on fire was absolutely amazing. I dig it. So the whole time you could just, you could just see it playing out in your head and there's not many games that do that. Wild West. And you know, I'm a big fan of wild West Exodus and and that game comes quite close, but it's not as strong. That is a from you. That is a glowing, glowing review of that game because of right, how so, much you you absolutely love Wild West Exodus. And that's just it. The theming is so strong. It's almost like like you get the the faction differences that you do out of Guild Ball, but then you have them playing objectives that fit with their theme. Right. Yep. Yeah, and so I'll give you another example of a mission. So the faction that I play, Chris, they're uh, essentially like um, super smart. They're they're science. They're scientists that are specifically involved, like specifically uh, interested in human and basically in bio modification. So modifications at the cellular level and also in like cybernetic enhancements. 
that's what they're into, right? Right. And yeah, they, I remember you in, told me that. And genetic modification. So this is this is the mission. Uh, at the beginning of the game, just after deployment, give one contagion token to two opposing fighters. So essentially, what I'm doing is I'm giving it. I'm I'm choosing. I'm choosing two people on their side that essentially have this contagion. And then at the beginning of the round, every round, those contagions spread and multiply. And when I knock an opponent with contagion markers out, I get VP equal to the contagion markers that they had on them. And so what this is representing is that I know that, that basically I'm ambushing this group of people because I caught wind that one of them has a new contagion that I want to research and I get more victory by giving, getting more contagious samples. So I'm basically like getting in, pounding them into dust, collecting the organic mass and then getting the fuck out. I like that. Um, and, and that's like how I win the game. I win the game by acting like my faction. Yeah, I I will. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean honestly, that sounds unique. I, I, from any game I've ever played, I don't think I've ever experienced objective taking quite like that. So no, that's definitely interesting. It's amazing. Well, and the uh, fact it, that they're it, asymmetrical it, it, always keeps it fresh and interesting because you can't ever be playing the same objective. So you're always going to have a different objective than your opponent. Right. Yeah, you can't and if you because there are secret and revealed objectives, and the only way that you could put, even potentially play the same objective is if you both pick the same private objective. But once you pick a public objective, your opponent can't pick it. So, um, yeah, you're in general, you're always going to be playing a different game than your opponent, unless your opponent's a jerk and plays pagan idols. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up that there is a matriarchy objective where if you're player one, you can choose it. And the opposing player does not get to pick an objective and you're all playing the same one. The same one. Yeah. And it's a really, it's really good too. It's kind of like um, the uh, symbols of authority from the GG 2019. If you ever played that scenario, it's kind of like that. It's really good. The pagan idols is awesome. Um, Well, yeah. So, so I mean, we got past the theming, right? Which is really strong and theming only takes you as far as, uh, the gameplay itself, right? So the, the theming is one thing, but if the game's not fun, it doesn't matter. Um, so how do you feel about the, the core mechanics of the game itself, Paul? What were your initial, uh, I mean, do you have anything you like versus don't like, uh, specific, you know, things you compare it to for other people that are listening that might be interested? So one of the things I really like about the core gameplay is that you end up feeling like every decision is super important because you are dealing with resources and how you're going to use them and when to use them because you could end up with somebody hitting you and then you have to decide, are you going to use your resources to try and negate it? Or are you just going to get punched yeah, in the and face? And that's this is a this is a this is a tricky thing, right? Because it's not like your resources that you normally manage. Like that's literally your activation potential. Like you're managing your actual AP. Like you have to spend one of the actions that you would be able to spend for the round to make that dodge. Correct. Or or a repost, and then you're using one of your attacks. Oh boy! And and if you repost, you're really risking it because if you repost and your opponent still hits first, they might knock your opponent. They might knock you out before you even get a chance to fight back. Right. So then you got to decide. Well, so do I do I dodge now? Use my attacks on my turn, or is it worth reposting? Right. So it's basically: Am I stronger? Or am I faster? Like, am I fast enough to negate more of their damage, or am I strong enough that if I get to hit back, I'm going to really do some damage to them? And then as an attacker, you have to make those calculations too. Like how much do I have to wor- be worried about a repost from this mo- middle model that I'm running into right now? Yeah. And you know, how hard are they to hit? Cause if you run, if you run into something that's got like a, a five physical, right? So you're only hitting on fives and they're a five or a six in combat. Like that's a really scary proposition because if they repost, they're rolling off on a five uh, and they might really, they might really beat the shit out of you. Yeah, um, because playing against Jim, he's been bringing the the three bikes in the game. And one of them Mm -hmm. has a uh, combat roll of seven. 
Ooh. Yeah, it's not fun. And so for our listeners that don't know the game, yeah, what that means is you roll seven dice, and then every dice that's so if he's attacking, he's going to roll seven, and then every die that lands equal to or higher than the stat you're rolling against, which is typically their their physical or their chest, bigger uh, is a hit. Is the proper bigger? Term, yep. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, vig. Yep. And then every hit translates essentially every hit that gets through and not negated by a dodge ticks off a box and they're, I mean, on a limb. And if you're unlucky, I mean, there some, some models, their limbs only can take three or four hits. So it can be really scary having somebody with seven coming up on you. So if someone with seven rolls on you, and even if you've got a four vigor, if you don't have any AP to dodge, there's a chance you might just die. Well, and even, even with the decision to dodge, you're still going to have to what compare against a seven to dodge. So you have to get rid of one of your well, dice a, to get down to a six. Yeah. But then it's your speed, right? And you're, yeah, right. And you still have to go against their attack. Yeah. And then with the attack seven, it's hard to dodge. Yeah, because you're already getting rid of one of your dice pool to bring it down to the six. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you have to roll sixes. So you have a one in sixes. 16 chance yeah. or, or, or a 16% chance of dodging any of them, which isn't a very, yeah, very good proposition. Yeah, naturally highest combat characters are very scary in Eden. And the other thing, too, is that even though your combat resolution is somewhat like War Machine, where you have your different, uh, your, your location die, unlike War Machine, you only need essentially one column to be gone in order to die. You're not trying to yeah, get every it, it, box it's, filled. It's all the columns. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's even worse than that, right? Because you have some control over what column you hit. In War Machine, unless I'm wrong here, like you hit the column that you roll against. And that's just, you know, if you roll against a column you don't want to hit on, too bad. Right. There are some uh, there are some Eden, characters. Can, yeah, there's there's some abilities that, and characters that yeah. Well, but everyone in Eden can sacrifice a a success to move the value of the hit dice plus or minus one. So even though it's expensive, I mean, I've had it. I've had it happen multiple times where I've spent one or two successes to get up or down into the next thing, where something had less wounds left to either incapacitate a model or put them on their lower stat. Well, and I don't know if you've played Dante's Angels at all, but it really sucks when you roll a six and you're hitting the bike because that doesn't really kill them. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's fr- it's frustrating. You almost all. I mean, you almost want to spend the dice to go down under the five. I mean, if you can take out the bike in like one hit, it might make sense because they end up being slower. Slower. But yeah. if you're already and they can't use their maneuvers, right? And if, right. but if you're already engaged with them, that's not that big of a, a of a problem. Right. And the game is all. It's all. I mean, it's it's like eighty percent melee, right? Like ranged weapons are rare. Yep. Um. And the ability to use them is also very limited. Like the idea of ammunition and scarcity is taken into account. So uh, ranged attacks are are very good, but they're rare. And they don't happen every round unless you have, you know, very specific types of fighters. Uh, the, the other thing to talk about is tactics cards. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're talking about theming and to be able to play a tactics card each turn potentially depending on your resources um, really helps create that theme because you're kind of getting an extra bonus that's thematic to your, to your faction. And you, and and the the cool thing is too. So to to describe the mechanic, the way that these cards work is that uh, as you're hiring your crew, uh, you designate one of your, the members of your crew to be your leader. And then you examine that model's psi stat, which is their head stat. And then you get to build a hand of cards equal to their psi stat. Uh, and you get to pick these tactics cards. And the tactics cards, some of them are you know, keyworded specifically that certain factions can use them. Uh, and other ones you pick specifically for the strengths of the crew that you're building. And there's a huge pool of these cards. Um, so, you know, each match you can, you know, and and you pick them after, you know, your opponent's faction. So you can build this like specifically to play against your opponent, but again, it's a limited resource and it costs two of your SP to play any of these cards. Um, so they're very expensive. Well, especially since you're using SP to, uh, you know, determine initiative in, in the game. 
And you also use like, so my characters, almost all of their special abilities require SP to use. Like I don't, my, my faction doesn't have, it has almost no free abilities. So the, the Ascari are very strong, but all of their abilities either require discarding tactics cards or spending SP. So the resources are very tight. Um, and that, and that's the price they pay for their cybernetics, right? Is that like everything requires energy and everything has a cost. Well, that helps keep that theme going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I was just trying to tie that in, right, with how, how thematically uh, tied in everything is in this game. Um, it's I mean, truly, uh, it, it's a I think it's a it's an actual crime in many games that this game is not more popular than it is. It's really sad that it's not like huge um, because I think it combines my favorite aspects of every minis game I've played. Like if you think about the, the repost and dodge mechanic, uh, it, it takes parts of what I love of infinity. Uh, if you think about the, the theme and the, the, the like characterfulness of the models and, and the, you know, the wording of the cards and their, their specific abilities that are all themed to them. It reminds me a lot of Malifaux. Um, the objectives being asymmetric and highly varied and causing every game to feel different also reminds me a lot of Malifaux. Uh, and the hit resolution reminds me a lot of uh, Guild Ball. Um, so like it, it's got all of these little things that I really, really love about all these different games. And it combines them somehow into this like little tiny rule book uh, that in a, in a game that's extremely easy to play and understand and teach. Like I, I for a general minis gamer, uh, every time that I've taught a person to play this game, it's taken 10 minutes. Yeah, it is, it is pretty quick to learn. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, if I took someone who was only playing board games and tried to show them, it would take a little longer, right? But for someone who plays and has understood minis games for any any amount of time, you can have them up and running playing Eden very quickly by literally just like walking them through their first two, their first couple activations and then he- helping them with corner case questions. I mean, they'll be up and going in no time. Yep, which is which is very true, um, and and all of that to be said that this game requires six pieces of scenery and a two by two board. Like it's just, oh man, everything about it is so. Appealing. Well, I I made a two by two board specifically for the game. Hey, me too. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually got two. <laughs> I've got two more in production. I just. Uh, I sort of, I, I need to, yeah, I, I don't know what, I got sidetracked, right? I wanted to play the other side. So I was painting my other side minis. And now that my other side minis are done, I think as soon as I'm done painting this Legion thing, I'm going to really get back into the, the Eden swing, especially after Adepticon. Cause really the, like, since I saw Eden, uh, during the, the, you know, the first time I saw it was the Kickstarter for the Sigarians or Sigarians or whatever. And I've, oh, I've wanted to play them since I saw them. Uh, and even though I got into Ascari and I really like them, and I've actually gotten more into this Ascari the more I've played them, I still really want that new faction uh, for a lot of reasons. One, their their resin is is amazing. I like the resin models a lot more than I like the metal models, uh, and that faction's all resin. Uh, and also the rules are really cool, and the sculpts are amazing. Um, so I, I think especially after I get a hold of those models, I'll be like. Uh, probably a man obsessed and hard to get to be playing any game that's not eden like just talking about it now dude i'm fucking pumped like uh my local henchman aaron texts me like a little bit before we recorded asking me if i wanted to play on thursday or friday and i was like man my schedule's kind of tight and now i'm like well what do i do to loosen my <laughs> schedule i want to play some eden so shops hyped himself up. right you can you can hear it in his voice now yeah, it's I mean, it's it's such a good game. Every time I start thinking about it, like I really just need to teach teach my wife how to play, too, because I, I really think she would enjoy it because it's uh, it's everything that I like about minis games without all of the mental overhead. Like there is a little bit. I mean, but but the, the thing is, it's in this moment to moment decisions rather than keeping everything that's going on in the game in your head. Right. Because everything can change so quick. Yeah. And then even if something goes really bad and there's a, and a thing that goes weird in the game, like the longest game I've played, is like an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, it does. It does go pretty Uh, quick. Jim Jim and I I took a little bit longer than that, but. Well, it's because you had to teach him bad rules. Well, yeah, I had had to lie to him about how the game works so I could win. Exactly. (laughs) I was lucky that uh, my first opponent was Aaron uh, and I, I bought, 
I initially started by buying a matriarchy starter and an Ascari starter because I knew I was going to have to buy two starters to get someone to start playing. Uh, and I just gave him a rule book. And when I showed up at his house, he had already, he already knew the rules. Yeah. So it was basically us bouncing the rules off of each other uh, and, and stumbling through it that way rather than me having to teach somebody and us learn. Well, together. yeah, but I mean, uh, Jim's a great opponent, so I don't want to. I don't want to feel like we're we're taking anything away from him because I mean, oh, we bo- we not we both at all. definitely did our due diligence as far as stumbling through the rules together and trying to figure things out. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't trying to say that at all. It was just that, like, I I, I gave the rules to somebody who read through them as many. Like, I read through them two or three times, and so did he. So we both had a pretty good idea what we were doing before we even started putting models down. Yeah, I think Jim and I both got through like maybe the first half of it and then the back half we learned together. <laughs> you were like, let's just play. Yeah, now. basically, basically. <laughs> it was like, all right, well, let's just figure out some of the more complicated stuff as we play. And it's not even that complicated, right? The game is not very complex. Like the the rules themselves are like what the first 26 pages of the 30 something page rule book. It's not uh it's not an incredibly difficult game. And and we say pages and like 27 pages in this game. Uh, if you were to think about, think about it in terms of the main 40K rule book, it's like 16 pages because um, it's a very small uh, rule book. It's like if you cut an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper in half and then folded that in half. So uh, it reminds me of the scene in, I think it was Airplane. Was it Airplane? When they asked the, the the woman on the plane if she wanted some something to read, and she said she would take some light reading, and they gave her like a pamphlet on famous Jewish American sports heroes. <laughs> so, so this this is kind of like the equivalent of a, an extremely small uh, pamphlet is basically the way I would I would describe it. Boy, that metaphor got out of control, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit hey, there, buddy. Hey, hey, it's a famous movie. I'm allowed to say that. No, it is. It is. But it, it is also a very small rule book. You're not kidding. It feels more like a pamphlet than a set of rules. It's very, it's it's small. And the cool thing, too, is every starter box comes with one. So I've got like three now. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. So so one of the things. Because I bought, I bought another Ascari starter. Jeez, oh, you have problems. Well, we all well, have problems. I mean, you guys have seen him. Yeah. So real, one of the things yeah. I want to talk about, though. Um, and, and this kind of goes back to maybe it's a good thing that they haven't really caught on in, in the States yet, because I feel like there's still a lot of translation issues on both the cards and in the rule book. Yeah. And I feel like if people were really hardcore starting to get into it, maybe that, uh, that might turn some people off. They'd have some pushback. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's one of the more unfortunate things at this point. But I mean, they are a, a, a French company of four people. So I don't yeah. I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm pointing fingers at them for doing a poor job or anything like that. They're not. No, right. No, they're doing a pretty ace job, I think, for what they're trying to do. Um, but the, the thing that I was going to say is that if you're going to get people into this game, you're like win at all costs uh rules lawyery friends this is not the game for them no because there um, because there is there, are, there, there is room for growth yeah yeah there is definitely yeah. some room for growth and i don't know how much of that is the writing and and translation um of the rules from from french to english um i mean there's definitely places where some of the some of the ways they use english you can tell it's been translated from from a romance language with the way the sentences are structured and and all that Right. But even that being said, we've got like two groups of Americans now, both in in Raleigh and in Madison, that having played the game once or twice, instantly started purchasing. That is true. That is very true. That's that's a testament to to this, how solid they are, even with the like subtle mistakes and and the mistakes also. So so we're very clear are generally minor and any intelligent person can generally get the rules as intended uh out of what they out of what they're reading um i don't think i've come across a scenario yet where we couldn't settle what the rules as intended were without without with bitterness do you know what i mean like it was 
anytime has been, I think it's like once or twice we've been like, mm, it's probably this. Uh, and even then those were very minor infractions and, and really didn't matter very much. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that there are issues in the translation, but also equally worth noting that they don't have a large impact out of the game. Yeah. No, I, if anything, I, I want more people to play it because uh, it's, it deserves to be played. Right. But I, I think though that, that it is a fair warning to say that there are some translation uh, issues. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, I, since we, since we did the last podcast uh, about Eden, our, our first Eden podcast, um, been talking with the guys from from the company a fair bit and they're very open to you know if if you see an issue and and send them a message and say hey um this is a a a weird situation in the in the translation um you know they're kind of they're kind of collecting that kind of stuff because they they've expressed to me at least that they want to go through and and fix a lot of those things and and get it up and running properly yeah, they have a strong desire to pull this game out of France um, because, you know, you, you go into the Facebook group and you join the Facebook group, you realize it's overwhelmingly French players. Well, yeah. And and if you follow them on Instagram or anything like that, I'm, and anytime they post anything, I have to hit the translate button because it's in France. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've been noticing that, too, on the on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, that's makes just sense. the nature of the company that they are. And it, again, it's fine. Um yeah, it's not a problem. It's but, just, it's just. I think, I think compared to just an observation. the larger games that we're we're used to, um, you know, because Infinity is a pretty large game, and and they do, uh, you know, the translations from from Spanish and all that. From Spanish to English, I was going to say, yeah, that's a really good comparison of a, a similarly sized. I mean, I think Corvus Belly is much bigger uh, than Happy Games Factory in terms of like employees and budget and sales. And they still um, get the translations doing... wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to the... happen, right? Right. Yeah. It's just how, how proactive um, are they at going, oops, yeah, okay, we can fix this. Yep, for sure. Um, but yeah, I... I Again, uh, back back on back swinging back into the positive here. Um, by, by God, buy a starter. Uh, these these starter boxes are like forty five bucks, and they come with everything you need, but but your D sixes. Um, and then anything else you need, you can print on the website. Um, like I've printed all my cards and backed them. Um, and it, it man, it's just it's such a good game. And the challenge, the challenge though, is actually finding some of the some of the kits, right? Because in the states, you yeah. can get them from Noble Knight Games, but you know it's not like they're restocking all the time. So if you go in with some of your friends and you can get to the, I think it's 115 euros to be able to get the free shipping from Europe. Um, Do yeah, that. that's probably yeah. the better way to go because there's a lot of stuff that is out of stock on Noble Knight. Yep, that's true. But I'm I'm hoping to fix that because I happen to be local to Noble Knight, and if we start playing there, and we have organized play there, which is the my intention, that uh, they will stock it more vigorously. That would be nice. I wouldn't mind because then I can order it or have you pick it up for yeah, me. Yeah, that that would help everyone, right? Because <laughs> they'd start carrying it more for the retail, which would bring more in for the internet sales, and then I can promote it more on the podcast and sell it more across the country. Which would be awesome. I think we have a plan. Sounds like it. You guys are going to take over the world. No, we're just going to help some French guys <laughs> sell their French game. <laughs> so, so Chris, uh, any you have any other questions as far as uh, the game or, or thoughts or anything like that? No, I mean, I, I was sold on the game like when Chops first brought it up. Uh, I It's something I definitely do want to uh, play just... Again, it's just finding the time, finding the money uh, when I'm not sinking it into, you know, Armada and X-Wing because you made me do an impulse buy. I did not make you do that, sir. Yes, you did. You you held a gun to my head and told me to buy Star Wars stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm done lying now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not hard. It's, it, it is not hard to get Chris to buy Star Wars. No, it's not. You just basically, it's Star Wars. I'm like, okay, what am I buying? 
I'm a degenerate. Well, now you need to buy some Eden. I want to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. It'll be it'll be a purchase that I will make um, probably after the next paycheck. Soon right. TM. Soon TM. <laughs> Soon TM. Yeah, it's such a good game. It's it's just it's hundred percent worth it. It's so good. It is. It's it's a lot of fun. And what what what's also amazing is that with the with the two by two board, it still manages to feel big. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you're still forced into interacting with each other. But I don't want to interact with you. Or yeah, I know you don't. But too bad. Um, Damn it! You know, so so when you're looking at those those interactions, um, you can you can be interacting quite early in that game. And oh yeah, and and yeah 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 yeah. In some in certain deployments, we're talking turn one faces and faces, like you're 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 getting in there. Yeah, and that's that's what's interesting. And I didn't know how much of that was because Jim was playing bikes and gets a fifteen centimeter move versus fifteen a centimeter, centimeter yep. move. Sorry, Jim yep. and I keep calling them communist measures. Um. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, so you know, his bikes are getting getting essentially an extra 15 centimeters per turn. Right? Well, it's per movement. Well, they're getting 5 extra per movement, but you can move what? 3 times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so they can really Yeah, so I mean, that's that's a 45 centimeter move. And potentially that gets them from their deployment zone to the other end of the table. Yeah, I mean, and for, for people who don't, don't, you don't, act, I mean, we don't play in centimeters. We just divide everything by two and a half. And I like I, for the first couple of games, I just played with a little thing that had all the common, that had all the common measurements. So, you know, like five, 10, uh, 15, 20, um, like, called out onto the sheet so that I could just see it's four, eight, 12, you know, like how many inches uh, it actually is. Yeah. I th- or four, six, I think four, six, eight. Jim, Jim is the uh, ultimate in like little widget kind of preferences. So I think he's, he's somehow somewhere getting uh communist measure widgets. Well, okay. I mean, just order from Canada. Uh, I think gorilla miniatures games has CM measuring tools on death ray designs so okay the the communist measuring comments now make so much more sense hearing you say that and reading it in discord because <laughs> when you guys were talking about it in discord i was like what the fuck is they t- what, yeah, are, what the hell are they talking about yeah, centimeters, centimeters. <laughs> I, I, I so i so get it now thank you uh we can end the podcast now i'm good <laughs> all right but yeah, anyway, it's it's you know you just take whatever it is and divide it by two and a half. It's not that bad. It's pretty pretty okay. Yeah, I just see my my tape measure has centimeters, so I just use that. Oh, oh no, I I use my guild ball uh, widgets, and I just use the the two inch or the the two inch side, the and then the four inch and the six inch and the eight inch. So that's 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 all I need. Yeah, um, it makes sense. But yeah, it's, it's close uh, enough. Good yep. enough for government work. And it, and it probably, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it probably makes you feel better using freedom units. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're oppressing Jewish people and every other and nation in the world. Everyone in the world, but us. Yeah. With our stupid imperial measurements. Thank, thank you, Paul. All, all complaints go to three men. And... <laughs> yes, address them to Paul at Since... three men in the war game. Um, but and God. also play Eden because it's the it's the best war game you're not playing. Yeah, and I'm gonna start calling it that. And I think it's a, I think that's it. a great a, statement. I think that is a actually there, a very good um, description of the game. There's another podcast that says that says Adeptus Titanicus is the best war game you're not playing, and that's not true. The best war game you're not playing is Eden, and it's way cheaper than Adeptus Titanicus. 
Yeah, very true. A lot of the factions are also really small. Yeah. In a good yeah. way. In a good way. Not in, like a, not in a bad way. Under 20 models per faction in general. Um, so get in there. Uh, and man, if you want to, you can play a bunch of Survivor kids. Holy shit. So cool. Anyway. Play that's in. the that's, that's that's the faction I was gonna go with because, um, as you were saying, like this game is you know low on on range attacks and that looks like it's got the most out of any of them and yeah, I like my you don't armies. want the kids. Yeah, you well, don't not want the kids. I don't get the adults. You definitely want convoy. Yeah, you definitely want convoy though. And I don't know the, the, the concept like... of the kids though is just absolutely awesome and and I would love to play them. Yeah, and the really cool thing about convoy, Chris, if you get into it, is that. Each of the convoy people has one of three keywords. And at the start of the game, the way that the, most of the, the factions in this game, they have a, a, a bonus, like a thing that they do. Um, and like the matriarchy, Paul's faction, they have a bonus depending on what order they're in. So if they're like red order, black order, whatever. Right. I get order. I get two extra victory um, points at the end of the game for each slave that was killed. If I use red sister. Right. So that's that that's just an example. And so convoy uh, come in three flavors, three keywords. And depending on which keyword you have the majority of in your uh, crew makeup, that's the bonus you get. So it can make for some really cool builds that you as long as you tailor to the majority for the ability that you want, you can still sort of like have these like out of majority hires within the convoy. Um, so it just gives you another cool decision to make. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to help me out with that when I get ready to make my purchases. For sure. For sure. And the, the starters are all tailored to be in one or the other, right? So like the kids are all the kids are three out of five of them are in the thing where they get to instead of doing terrain placement as an alternating thing, which is what you typically do in the game, is that you and your opponent alternate placing terrain. Uh if you play the convoy kids, you just get to place all the terrain. <laughs> <laughs> which is which, which is super thematic because it's like they're a bunch of kids hanging out in a town or wherever and they know the lay of the land they know the land yeah, yeah exactly and it's and it's in it, it, it paul's played the game now and knows how uh critical terrain can be for other for specific objectives Very so true. like when you're playing the kids you like pick the you pick your objectives based on what's going to be good for you based on where you place the terrain um, so it's really cool. Uh, can't, can recommend like convoy as a faction. Anyway, we're talking like final thoughts here on, uh, since, since we're, I think we're at time and we should wrap the, wrap the Eden discussion. Paul, what are your final thoughts on Eden? I am glad I am playing it because it is a lot of fun. And if you are, if you are the type of war gamer where you make a movie in your head as you're playing, this is a game for you. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I concur with that statement. And I will reiterate again that uh, Eden, the post-apocalyptic skirmish game for 30 millimeter miniatures is the best war game. You're not playing all good things. Those sound good. That That's all your right. last thought, Chris. All good things. All good things come to those who play Eden. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? I may have zoned out a little bit, you know. What you? I, it must have been because anyway, you were reading hmm? a rule book. Shh, those don't exist. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> spread the fake news. Fake news. <laughs> Wrong. But yeah, play Eden, and uh, thank thanks for our uh, patrons. You guys are awesome, and hopefully, we'll make it possible for us to meet a bunch of you at some convention at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, also, thanks to Static as a City for the po the most excellent uh, post-hardcore theming that we have at the top and bottom of the show. Right? Isn't it great? Yeah, I yep. love our music. These guys are great. <laughs> it's so much fun. Every time it comes on, I'm like, yes, this is exactly the music we need for this show. Yeah. Yes. Um. I, I don't know if I missed anything there. Discord, uh, come join our Discord. Yeah, uh, Discord. somebody somebody oh, joined yeah, we'll while we were Discord. recording, and uh, yeah, a... somebody Inquisitor Shadow. I don't know who that is, so that's exciting. I know cool. he's on, they're online right Ooh, now. Go say I'm hi to our Discord. 
but yeah, so come I'm looking at yeah. come come join us on on Discord and say hi to Inquisitor Shadow and the rest of us. Uh the link will be in the description of the show. You get to look at uh gifts that I put up to make Paul cringe like crying Ray. Yeah, you be nice to Ray. <laughs> She's a Mary Sue. Don't don't uh... <laughs> I'm gonna trigger Paul right at the end of the episode. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. But yeah, so that's that's that that's the rundown. Um and I'm not sure if Chop said the website for the Patreon, but it's patreon.com slash three men in a war game. Yeah, and there's lots of options on there. Uh we like our hobby hangouts with our patrons. That's a lot of fun. Um we get to get to talk hobby as we do it and other things and all that jazz. And we're actually gonna have another one this week coming up soon at some point. Um yeah, I mean those are a lot of fun. So look into it. If you have questions, just you know, hit us up on Discord. <laughs> yep. Uh, other than that, um, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This is this one's all you chaps again. What?